same root at the same root as chaver is chevra society because it's like a collective friendship. It's like a collective friendship. So I want to examine specifically what benefits do I have from developing good chavirim, good friends, right? Developing good relationships, good acquaintances, having friends, the the the, the, the positive benefits that I could glean for that uh, personally. Uh, additionally, uh, the potential deleterious effects of bad friends. Not only can I be positively influenced if I have good friends, I can be negatively, unfortunately, I can be negatively impacted if I have bad friends. And that's on an individual basis. But additionally, on a communal or a societal uh, basis, if I'm surrounded by a good group of people who are trying to grow, who are trying to improve, who are basically good people, uh, and they, they exude uh, good influences on me, that's going to help me also become a better person. While conversely, if I'm surrounded by a negative, uh, uh, if, I'm, if I'm getting negative, uh, if I'm getting uh, negative vibes or influences from my society, that's going to negatively impact me as well. So, is a negative person a friend? See, I think the friendship has to do with being honest. We talked more about being able to express negativity from a position of wanting to, to point things out to, to our friend that could help them in the long run, not, not to be hurtful. Yeah, so what, I, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm throwing a little caveat into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because last week, from what I understand, my brother, Rabbi Wolby, said, he said that part of the benefits of having a friendship, or having a friend, a good friend, is that they could help you, uh, and they can see your shortcomings, your flaws, and they'll point it out to you. Because a real friend, a true friend, cares so much, cares genuinely about their, uh, you know, about their, about their friend, and they're willing to point out uh, or give constructive criticism to help uh, you know, that person deal with or um, come to terms with uh, try to rectify their flaw what I'm, I'm throwing a caveat into this I'm saying not all friends are a good thing to have there are some friends that maybe you should avoid because just like chaver, chibur, a friend a connection can be good for you if you connect that's, only, that's dependent on what you're connecting to if you're connecting, if you have a chibur if you have a relationship with someone who, that's a bad influence on you then it'll affect you negatively as well. So what is the definition of friend? Is it a positive or a negative? The, that's the whole point. It could be either one. Chaver means chibur. It's a connection. That's the whole point. You could have a good friend, but that good friend could be, you know, Haver. bad influence. What's chibur mean? Chibur means a connection, and chaver means friend. What? No, it's, it's spelled the same way, because it's the same root. So if you have Chibur is what? Now? Chibur is a connection. So... Um, just like like we know that the Hebrew the Hebrew words the way they're spelled is not a coincidence the way we spell them we just decide we arbitrarily so decide what a word means rather we say uh, because it's the lashon hakodesh it's, it's in quote unquote God's language the word um, underscores the root of, of the idea like uh, for example anyone knows the Hebrew word for a dog for what kelev a dog. Uh-huh, a dog. Sorry, I'm from <laughs> dog. D a w g. Right. So uh, the Hebrew word for dog is a kelev, which is kelev, which means like a heart. Because dogs are just awesome, and they just, they're yes, they are. Yeah, they're like they just they just, they just give love. It's just it's just it's like a heart, just overflowing with love, and, and you know, and, and you know, they're, they're just dogs are machines of giving love. That's what they are. Uh, the Hebrew word for a word. This is, this is a great illustration a of this word? idea. Yeah, what's the Hebrew word for a word? The Hebrew word for a word is the same word as the Hebrew word for a thing. For what? For a thing. Davar means a thing, but davar also means a word, because the thing and the word is the same thing. Does that make any sense? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, 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 like the, the, so we're talking about friendship. We're talking about chaver. Uh, the idea behind a chaver is a chibur. And I'm saying... Uh, I'm throwing a wrench into what my brother spoke about last week. I'm saying that it's not always a good thing to have a chibur with someone. It may indeed be a bad thing. Indeed, indeed it could be a positive thing. And you also mentioned community, and I kind of thinking all the and time. And chavrat, like we said. The on the radio, though, that there are many times when there have been uh, corporations that were doing the wrong thing, and they were talking about the, the, what, the corporate culture. 
and that would be the community at work. And if the community at work is urging you to, to, to be dishonest so as to provoke the benefits of the corporation, then that well, would be, that a, would a be if if you if if you believe that the corp the the culture of the corporation is a bad one, that would be an example of of uh, of a of, community of a community negative affecting you uh, negatively. Yeah, but uh, I think that yeah, the counterculture of the sixties was an idea where um, I want to get into this uh, more more specific. You know, we're going to broaden the idea, uh, but. But that's another example of where their, like the tra- you know traditional family structure was just you know was just sh- shot out of the sky. You know the fifties and the sixties were totally different decades, but that's not necessarily because of a bunch of people independently deciding that we're changing course, but rather society as a whole influencing the individuals. What I, what I mean is is that these things don't happen in a vacuum, right? Societal changes don't, hap- don't happen in a vacuum. They're, they're a result of the society. I can't help thinking that to you this is ancient history, and I remember it. Yeah, it is to me. <laughs> but societies gain strength from being a society, and they lose the perspective of the individual. Uh, that, that can happen, indeed. I want to talk about that also. Um, so so like, like I said, today's goal is, is to examine, is to explore... The idea of a chaver and a and a chevra. Chaver is a friend or a chibur, and a chevra is a society or a community. What are the positive uh, aspects? How do we get more of the positive aspects? How do we get Im- influenced positively by friends and by society? And conversely, how do we avoid the potential pitfalls, the potential um, negative effects of society and friends when I have a chaver or a ch- or, or a chevra? that uh, give me negative um, uh, influences and cause m- my situation to be, uh, to be negatively impacted by my friends and my society. Okay? So let's start with the positive. What, who to think, who to, who to uh, let, let, let's think together, let's crowdsource this. Um, how can I benefit, materially benefit, not materially, but how can, I, how can my character be improved by my friends. Let's start with the individual basis. The role model aspect. Role model aspect, okay. And well. if your friend is someone who, who is perhaps better than you in some ways, they inspire you to do that. Boom. So if you have a friend, if you're connected to someone who is, let's say, better than you, so you'll up your game. I like to, I like to use this, um, the, the example of let's, say, of, let's say, athletes. This is an idea I just thought of on the way here. You have athletes that they play to the competition. And if someone did the four-minute mile, suddenly everyone to do the four-minute mile. Why? Because the second you see that it can be done, so you push yourself harder and you get there. And if someone does a 3.5 mile, someone eventually, people will start doing it as well. Not because they're any more gifted, um, maybe because they take more, more uh, <laughs> performance-enhancing drugs, but let's still keep that on the side burner. Uh, but not necessarily because they're more gifted, but rather because they push themselves harder. And if I, if I see someone who does this, and we have uh, the, the verse in, uh, I believe it's in Proverbs, Kinas sofrim tar the envy of the scribes will increase wisdom. It means if I see my friend composing or writing or developing wisdom, that's going to push me, inspire me, spur me to... Uh, to maximize my own potential. You're also saying that we shouldn't, we shouldn't aspire to be like people who are like ourselves, but better than ourselves. Well, we, well I'm saying, but the second we have exposure to people that are better than, us, than ourselves, then, uh, then, then we're going to push ourselves to be like them and up our game. Um, another, another Mishnah, the Mishnah in, in Perkevel, <coughs> Chapters of the Father, says, you should always be you should always rather be a tail to the lions than a head to the foxes, right? What that means is you'd rather be the worst player in the major leagues than the best player in AAA, right? You'd rather be the, the worst player in the majors than the best player in AAA. Uh, but when you're in AAA, everyone looks at you, you, you know, you're the king, you, you, know, you, you win the MVPs, you, 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 know, you have the best statistics. You're the king. Still, 
I think that may, maybe Laurie's idea is 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 um, is the reason why uh, Laurie's saying is that when I surround myself with people that are better than me, I myself will improve more than if I'm the best of the people that I the, you know of uh, 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 my the competition so to speak or the society. I like that. Um, what else? So we have a um, we have the Talmud says. I learned a lot of Torah. This is one of the rabbis saying the statement. I learned lots and lots and lots of Torah from my rabbis. But from my colleagues, from my contemporaries, from my peers, my friends, from my friends, I learned more than I learned from the rabbis. And most of all, and most of all, for my students, right? We're not talking about students now. <laughs> yeah, the students you learned you learned from even more. It means normally you would think the opposite would be true. You teach to students, you study from rabbis, and you converse, or you're on the, you're on, you're a par with your friends. And here, the opposite is true, where your students who are um, who are the people that you're teaching to, they teach you more. They teach you more, um, but the friends, the pairs. Those 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 they teach you more than 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 your teachers. So that might be Laurie's idea as well. Where when I bounce ideas off my friends, when I my surrounding my 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 community influences me more than the intellectual um, messages vibes that I get from my from 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 my uh, from my teachers. What that means is is that let's say kids. Okay, kids learn more from society than they do from what they're taught. They learn more, let's say, kids will behave more like what they see other people behaving than what they're taught to behave like. Does that make any sense? I think it does. Say it again. Kids will behave, kids will learn, will be influenced more by what they see than what they're taught. What they see their friends do, they're going to do it. As opposed to what they're, you know, what they're instructed on an intellectual level, that uh, that um, that is not so. That doesn't have that great of, of an of an, imp- of an impression on a child. So, th- this is creating a like a, a brand new uh, playground for 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 um, for how we how we learn things. We learn things more from society than we do from from instruction. That's an incredible idea. Thank you, Lori. Um, and I think there's another aspect of uh, of advice, and like um, like like we had here last week, right. that if you have a good friend, they're going to share advice with you. They're going to they're going to help you. They're going to a, a real friend uh, doesn't shy away from telling uh, that their friend the area that they think they need they need help with. They need to they need to be you know shown the right the right path. They need to be corrected. <laughs> And that's a tremendous benefit, that if you have a good friend, someone is looking out for your benefit, someone is looking out uh, for you to try to make, you know, to improve you, a real genuine friend would not hesitate to point out, obviously, in a respectful and nice manner, um, not in a disparaging manner, but to help you, to help you improve. That's what friends are here for. Okay, so that's on an individual level. On an individual level, we see the idea of, of society having, or, or our friends having a tremendous impact on us and how we act and how we learn and how we could improve. And obviously the converse would be true. Uh, like it says, um, once again, going back to Perkat Vot, One of the worst things that we can have is a chavera, is a bad friend. Someone who gives us, um, who has that connection, but it has a negative effect on us. Uh, our sages say, oil rasha, oil What that means is, woe to a wicked person, and woe unto his neighbor. Because if you're neighbors, if you're friends with the wicked person, you'll be negatively impacted as well. Okay, so that's on an individual level. What about on a societal or communal level? So I have here a fascinating uh, story from, this is all the way at the end of Pirkevot, of the chapters of the fathers, uh, a a little-known story, which I think is just 
mind-boggling. It's so there's a story here, um, and I'll say it in English. So uh, Rabbi Yossi, the son of Kisma, he said as follows. One time I was walking on the path, and I met someone, and he said hi to me, and I said hi back to him. And he said to me, tell me, Rabbi, where do you live? So, Abartilo, I said to him, in a very large city, replete with uh, scribes and scholars. I live in a city of scribes and scholars. So he said to me, uh, Rabbi, maybe you should come live with us. Maybe move to our city. Come live with us. And I'll give you, Elif Alafim, a million dinars of gold and many precious stones and diamonds. He's trying to recruit this awesome rabbi to move to his city. So I said to him, this is the rabbi talking, what did I say to him? Im if you give me all the gold and silver and all the diamonds and precious gems in the world, I'm only going to live in a place, in, in a city of Torah. Why? Because when someone dies, the only thing that he brings with him is not silver, and not gold, and not diamonds, and not precious stones, only Torah and good deeds. That's it. As it says, and he brings the, the verse in, in Proverbs, that the Torah um, watches over, to, over you uh, when you're in this world, and, and when you die, and in the next world. That's the statement. So you have the rabbi, he meets, he meets this, this fellow, the fellow tries to convince him to move to his city, to recruit him to his city. He says, no way, I'm not moving to your city, you're treating me all the money in the world. You're keeping me all the money in the world, and I'm only living in a place where there's Torah, where there's scholars and scribes. Why? Because when I die, because when I die, the only thing that I bring with me is my Torah and my good deeds. Nothing else. All that gold and silver that you want to give me, can't bring it with me. Now, there's a, there's a fatal flaw in this story. Who could figure out what the problem with the story is? Well, he's not teaching. Huh? He's not going to this place to teach and inspire. Who, this, uh, the, yeah. the rabbi? won't go to this place, so he's not moving away from his... He's being kind of selfish. I mean, what, who, what, you're saying that he's being selfish? Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. Okay. So he, he'd be selfish. He used to say, okay, I should give up my, my own personal growth for, for going to inspire. Okay, maybe that's not that. But the, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a fundamental problem with the story. He's being used. Who's being used? Uh, the rabbi is being used by and being bribed to come there to give up well, he was trying to be bribed, or let's call it recruited. Okay. Uh, the, um, to increase standing in that community or that individual. Do we know there's not anybody of scribes and scholars in the other city? Huh? Do we oh, do, maybe we don't know. Well, what are those things? Uh, well, what are those, um, the recruiters for colleges that get student athletes, what are they called? Scouts. Not scouts. Come on. I don't know. Not recruiters. There's a word for them. Oh. That they like give money like under the. Uh, really? No, oh, come on. What is this? Is there Boosters? such a word? Oh, there is a word for it. What is it? Huh? Boosters. 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 <laughs> he had some booster. The city had a booster. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Um, the city of Booster is sending the trying to trying to recruit the rabbit to come to the city. Psychic. Booster. Thank you. That's the word. Thanks for the vindication there. I haven't heard that word before. I haven't either. No. Okay. So. Uh, I think the problem with the story, Lenny, what were you going to say? If he were to say, we're going to give you a community that's very involved and would like to learn Torah, and we also have a nice bonus for you, too, mm-hmm. that would be different. It means the, guy, the guy's sales pitch was like, I'll give you all the money in the world. That's and right. He had bad sales pitch. That would be a place that you want to go to. You know, unless you... <laughs> what, my, the thing that I find startling with the story... The rabbi says, no, I don't want your offer. But why does he not want your offer? He starts invoking, uh, when you die, 
the only thing you're going to bring with you is your Torah, but your money is useless. That's what he said to him. It seems like what he's saying, that I'm rejecting coming to your city because your city doesn't have Torah scholars. And therefore, if I come to your city, I'll have lots of money, but I won't have any Torah, I won't have any good deeds. What he's saying is, uh, okay, fine, so why don't you study Torah? Why don't you do good deeds and have the money also? So you'll have the money in this world, and when you die, you can't bring your money with you, but you'll have the Torah as well. What he's saying is that if I leave my city of scholars and scribes, if I leave my society, my community, that's conducive for growth, and I come to your city, I won't have, I won't have growth. I won't have that Torah and good deeds to, to bring with me when I die. Well, instead no. of him being the one that comes to the city and, and teaches it and gets a following, no, I, I, I think... Don't tell them that. They don't want them to leave. Well, that, that's how they pulled me here with all the money, huh? <laughs> uh, so, what's wrong Well, with no, I think that when we talk about social influence, we think of it as a minor thing. We think of it as, a, as something which is, okay, yes, I... I am who I am. I make my own decisions. I'm an independent person. Um, you know, I'm someone who's, I think for myself, I'm reasonable, I'm rational, and I have, my, I have lots of influences. And I'm influenced by society as well. What this rabbi is saying is that if I'm in, a, social influence is the number one determining factor. Social, the society is the most important factor that determines whether or not I have Torah and I have Good deeds, and I have something to bring with me when I die, or not? I mean, this rabbi was indeed already probably accomplished. Otherwise, why would they invest so much? Why would boosters come after him? But he obviously was already accomplished. But he was saying, not only would I not would I lose what I ha- would I not be able to gain to have more. I'm even going to lose what I have because I'm surrounded by by a society by by a bad society. I Means. There's one aspect, maybe you should take one for the team. Maybe he was arrogant, maybe he was, he was selfish. Maybe he should have said, okay, fine, I'll give up a little bit to try to influence a lot of people. That's, that's, that's one point, okay? But let's put, let's put, put the point on the side. Besides for that, besides for, when he's focusing on his, own, on his own growth, he's saying this idea of being surrounded by good or bad society, i.e. society that is going to help me grow, that is going to conducive for me to grow, versus society that gives me negative influences, is the number one most important thing to determine the direction which where someone heads. It doesn't necessarily mean that. He may simply mean that being surrounded by other people that encourage him to grow, he's going to grow more than he possibly could in a situation where he's not surrounded by such people. And every little iota of growth is vitally important to him. He doesn't have to mean that people grow at all. He cares for himself. We already did that. We already did that. He said, put that aside and consider only how much he can grow. Well, he's bound to grow more if he's totally surrounded by uh, scholars and sages and, and, and than he is in a place where he's got fewer of them. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't have to be the only influence. It's just that there's going to be more growth in one situation than the other. I think you gave us the answer before. You said the, the students are what caused the stretch, the growth. The rabbis teach us what the law is and the explanation, but the growth occurs in the... In the, in the uh, when we take it in and when we play with it, the creativity of the understanding stretches the understanding. So he would have no students. He wouldn't have... Um, he would have no students, something. He would have no students. Well, there are no, there are no scribes. There are no other rabbis. So he would have to create a whole community. Where he stays, he can contribute to the process of stretching the understanding. I... I I think my problem is, uh, I, your, your point is, is correct. I think that you, you can indeed be right. But I think that when he's invoking the, what happens when I die, what he's trying to say is, he's looking at it, he says, yes, money's a good thing, and maybe I might have an influence. But he's saying, 
but, but, but he, he's like, he's augmenting the situation by saying, I'm going to die with nothing besides for money. That it was important, and the implication could be, I want to have as much uh, good deeds in Torah as possible. Not that I'm afraid I'll have none. But if you're right, if, if he's really saying, I'm afraid I'll have none, then yeah, he's not going to have none. No He'll legacy. have some. No might have less than he would have, but he would have some. Mm. Maybe you need to get rid of the fog for us. Hmm? Maybe you need to help the fog lift. What do you mean? Well, how about giving us the answer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Did you just give us the answer? Was that no, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to, uh, what I'm trying to, is trying to develop here is, um, it's not all. Is well, there's sort of the structured idea, and we'll talk about the you know the the root of the idea. The structure of the idea, I think, is that um, society has a great impact. I don't know if it's the only impact. You may be right. Um, may, you may not have to prove from here that, that society has great has a has is the only thing or the most important thing. I can I can prove that probably later on when I when I invoke some of the uh, some of the um, studies that were done about about social pressure. We'll get to that, and and the psych, psycho uh, analyst will help us will help us here with that. Um, but what, what what I'm trying to show here is that we we can po- be positively and negatively impacted by our friends, by our society, in a great way. I think I'm going to agree to that in a great way. Um, and it's a good thing, ostensibly, it's a good thing to be positively influenced by our society. Uh, and by our friends, and it's a bad thing to be negatively influenced uh, by our society and our friends. Everyone agree to that point? Okay, let's see. We become who we associate with. Hmm? Well, basically, whoever we associate with, we kind of we pick up their... I mean, we, if you, want, if you associate with people who are good, then you'll more likely pick up their values. If you associate with people who are bad... Are you invoking the uh, second law of thermodynamics? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, so we'll get there. J-Train. So living in the ambivalence is what <laughs> scholars do. They, they discuss this, and that's why they keep on discussing it. This is something very ambivalent about each way of doing it. Well, I'm going to throw another wrench to this, okay? Because okay? I think that there is a, a, a... that this may not always be true. And... I think that it's possible for society, a good society, to be a crutch for someone. And our sages say, You should always fear heaven the same way you fear your friends, or the way you fear humans. Say that again. You should be as fearful as heaven as you are fearful of your friends. When someone is about to do something wrong, what they do is they turn left, they turn right, they see nobody's watching. Or they, some people do this. And they say, okay, no one's watching. I can do whatever I want to do. But they don't say, oh, oh, is God watching me? They don't think about that. So therefore, I say to say, you should always be as fearful of heaven, be fearful of the Almighty, just like you're as fearful as you are of your friends. I.e., some people fake it for their friends, and their job is to make it real. Some people can be surrounded by a good society, and that society can mask the fact that they're not genuinely growing. You could fake it for your society. You could be surrounded by good people doing good things. You'll, you'll be a good person. You'll be doing good things, but it won't be genuine. It won't be real. Your fear of heaven, so to speak, won't be there. And we know we know that the way we judge someone is an, on an individual basis. We remove the societal effect from a person. Uh, the Mishnah says that on Rosh Hashanah, on the Day of Judgment, the Day of Reckoning, every person is judged like totally individually. Just like if you have a bunch of sheep in a, uh, in like a pen, whatever, to put them in, and you, you want to count the sheep, you open a small hole and you let out each one individually. 
what the Mishnah, that's the example that the Mishnah gives. So too, on Rosh Hashanah, every person is judged individually. The way God views us is not us as a member of society, but as us, the individual. How would you be without the society? Would you still be faking it? Would you still be just going through the motions because everyone else is doing it? Who are you like without the, without the, with the crutch of society? So, so, society indeed may not be a good thing. What's going on, Rabbi? This is crazy. Is society a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, well, there's three possibilities, really. Okay. You're surrounded by good people, and so you don't want to be embarrassed if you do what they're doing. Or you're surrounded by bad people, and then you don't have the gumption, maybe, to speak up or to behave differently than they are. Or you're surrounded by neutral people, in which case it's just as easy to do anything, and so you will keep on doing the right thing. Yeah, but thing. I could be surrounded by good people, and it could positively influence me. I could be in a city full of scribes and scholars, and that's right. a good thing. Right. On the other hand, it could be a bad thing, because that just means that I'm just, I'm just, I'm faking it I for the crowds. That. Huh? Acknowledge that. Okay. Okay. So is it good or bad thing? So what's society? So, so what's going minute. on here? There's also the possibility that you're surrounded by neutral people and and you have the integrity to keep on doing the right thing, or or you're not surrounded by you're or, all alone, or you're or you're all alone, or you're surrounded by people that are urging you to do the wrong thing. In which case, it takes even more integrity to keep on doing the right thing because they're pushing you to do bad things. They say, "Oh, come on, everybody's doing it. What's the matter with you? You you think you're so righteous." Uh, you're, you're just uh, bragging about your righteousness. Be a regular person. But we have a conflict here. That's what I'm trying to point out. The conflict is that when I'm surrounded by identical societies, mm-hmm. good societies, mm-hmm. how come we have the idea or the concept of society impacting me and it's a good thing I'm gonna, I will never leave a city that has scribes and scholars I'll never leave a city that has good influences on me on the other hand, on the other hand it could be like a cocoon it could be a crutch it could, be, it could mask I could just be faking it for the society I, I'm, I'm, I have the fear of man so to speak and it's not real and in Rosh Hashanah when, when, when we're judged we're judged without, without the effect of society a society could just mask the problem it's not necessarily a good thing it's right. indeed may even be okay, maybe may even be, be negative, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you. I'll, um, uh, my grandfather, when he would talk to his yeshiva students, he would always say this idea. He would say this idea. He would say that um, you're you're in a yeshiva now. Yeshiva is the best uh, society for growth, uh, but it's not real. We don't know if, that it's genuine until you take what you have and you bring it to the outside world and you reach, uh, or you, you bring it to our culture where the, the general surrounds, you know, the, the people that you meet, they don't necessarily agree to what you believe in or they don't necessarily live lives that are, that, you know, that are in, in sync with yours. And then let's see how you, how you survive. That, that will determine, that's the real setting of, of, of life. I said that. Okay. okay. Can I ask what do you what, what do you say? Tony? I was going to say, what's wrong with like you know you're saying, so if you're not genuine, you're surrounded by good people, and you're saying that you so you. What do you mean by if you're if, if, if it's not just it's just as bad faking it? As long as you're doing good for society, who cares of what your intentions are? What do you mean? What they? I mean, you're saying it has no value. Way? It has no value. What do you mean? I, I don't understand when you say faking it. What do you mean by faking it? Faking like doing good deeds for another person? It's no. It's it's think of it as as fear of man when when someone is not genuine. Right. So you, have, you have two people doing identical things, okay? Okay. I think of kindness, right? The example you brought. Right. Two people doing the same act of kindness. One of them is doing it genuinely, and one of them is doing it to get recognition, or to not get disapproval, or right. to just be, uh, to not be thought of negatively in their society. Right. So one of them is doing a, 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 a mitzvah in its purest form, and one of them is just, is, just, is just faking it for his friends. Right. So, we see society, we've, we, we've learned society can have a positive influence, and society can mask our shortcomings. Someone can have a natural shortcoming, and what society is not watching, not be at all um, um, a, a kind person, but when everyone's watching, you need to be a kind person. Okay. 
Okay, because our goal in Muster, Jonathan, our goal in Muster is to become better people, to improve ourselves in a real way, not just to live for for for, for everyone else. Even if you're the intention, it may not be good initially. Because I, even in my other class, okay, uh, I'm learning is that whether the doing kindness, whether it's done intentionally, if it's doing for a good motive or not. If you, as long is it better to you know give tzedakah, even if you know that you're gonna if you don't do it begrudgingly, but if you keep on doing it, eventually you're gonna end up justifying it to yourself that eventually it's gonna be hey mm. you know what this is a good thing and I'm gonna c- continue doing. It. I like what you're saying. I was gonna say that also. So um, you know you eventually. You what know, he's saying is like this means. Even if you do it without genuine intentions, eventually it's going to impact who you are. It means your actions are going to, are the going to affect. Actions, it's the effect. Love it. Love it. Love it. Fake it till you make it. Love it. I love that. So that's what I was yeah. trying to. So what, what's wrong with that? Uh, it's great. I agree to that point. I was going to say it later on. So. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> okay. I apologize. No, I think I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about social influence. Versus social pressure. We could be influenced by our society. We could be influenced by our friends. We could be influenced by the people that we're surrounded by. But we could have what's called social pressure, where you don't want to be different. You don't want to be viewed negatively by a certain society, and therefore you do something. Uh, you do um, things that that aren't real to you. That you don't really necessarily believe in. But you do it to, to not to not get rejected, fear of rejection. Uh, the Ash conformity test. The if anyone familiar with the Ash conformity Ash? test? Ash. Yes. A S C H. So I think his name was Solomon Ash in the in the fifties. Oh yes, you're you're, you're going to know about it when I tell you this. So he took a bunch of college students and he wanted to figure out this exact question. How much are people willing to do? How, mu- how many bad decisions are people willing to do? Oh, not the painting. That's another example of it. Yeah, it's a horrible one. How, how many bad decisions are people willing to make so as to not go in conflict with their society? And what he did is, well, the, famous, the famous example of this, of, this, um, of this study was he took seven people in a room and he's telling them that he was. He told them that he's giving them a. Uh, uh, that he's doing a study on visual something, visual effects, right? Something like that. Visual interpretation of something. And the thing is that seven people in the room, but only one of them was really being tested. The other six were working with him. Mm-hmm. Other six were working with him. They were called. They're called confederates. 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 And he showed them, what he showed them is, is, is a graph or, or a picture of two lines. One of them was 10 inches, one of them was 12 inches. And he said to them, which one's longer? And the first six were all confederates, and they all said that the one on the left, the one that's only 10 inches, that's the longer one. And invariably, the guy at the end, as so as to not be in conflict, to not go against social pressure, would, uh, would, would I think 50% of the time, would say, oh yeah, the one on the left, just to, just to go with everyone else. Even though it was clearly, blatantly obvious that the one on the right was actually longer. Now, after someone would make, after, if someone were to say, oh, actually, the one on the right is longer, then the other six confederates would start ridiculing him and say, isn't it obvious? You, mean, you really think the one on the right is longer? The one that's actually 12 inches, two inches, significantly longer. And event, like, they would convince him, and ultimately, 76% of those studied, of, the, uh, of those, of those ch- would actually go with what they know is wrong. And this, he used this to show that people, when they're surrounded by, by social pressure, would make decisions that they know are obviously wrong, just because they don't want to have uh, the pressure going against the society, going against the grain, even though they know it's right. So 76% of society... Of the total? Of the total, or yes. Of the total, 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 total. said that 12 inches were longer. No, total, total. That's a lot for our legal system, doesn't it? <laughs> Juries, yeah. okay. That's another good example. Ten angry men. Twelve angry men. Twelve. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good. But uh, think, think about think about that. We we we. I'm saying, even in something as simple as which line, 
on a graph is longer, and one of them is obviously longer to anyone, they people are not are unwilling to go against what society tells them. How much more so is it difficult to go against society when it's an intellectual argument and you th- you know you're right or your intellect, uh, your unbiased intellect would tell you one way, but you don't want to go against society, so therefore you'll 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 you'll, um, you'll just you know go with the flow. Yeah. Think of the mob effect. The mob effect is where people, if there's a riot, if there's a mob, so they'll do things as a collective group that they would never do individually. Because of the society is just, it's just all, you know, it's, it's in Argentina. We just lost a soccer game. Let's burn cars and, you know, have mass riots and, and destroy this and loot the city, right? This is why we don't have people joining the military 35 and older because they take it. Oh, you think that it helps really? when you get older? I, I thought it was just that they lose their uh, physical capability. <laughs> They're independent thinkers. They're independent. At 18, you can, hurt, you can run a herd. Because they're very vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. Very impressionable. Right. Yeah, but most people don't change their minds about many of their beliefs, many of their convictions from 18 to 35, so that would go well fly in the face of your theory. Think about it. We have a billion Christians and a billion Muslims in the world. Okay. Now these two religions are mutually exclusive. You can't be both. They can't both be right. Correct? Right. Everyone agrees that's true. True. Either Jesus is the Lord and Savior, or if you do, you have to accept Muhammad and Allah, or else you're toast. Right? And each one of them has um, believes that if you're not with us, eternal damnation. Right? Each one of them independently means they can both be right. So there's at least a billion people in the world that are wrong. Correct? Mm-hmm. True. Now, people who grew up Muslim and grew up in Muslim countries don't necessarily defect and become Christians. And conversely, it doesn't happen that often. So it's just that their society or the circumstances or their family or their surroundings told them one way and it's such an important decision as to it's so important by, by, by the fact that there's eternal, there's eternal damnation on either side, right? There's eternal damnation on either side. It's such an important decision, no, almost nobody changes, changes goes, those the way, goes the other way. So if they're independent thinkers, they should say, oh, wait a minute, we're, you've got to do the mathematics here, yes. I think you have to, when you say that, you have to be careful what culture you're talking about because in at least the Western world, in adult development literature, they show the stages of adult development. And as someone's approaching the end of their 20s and going into their early 30s is is accepted as a time when they most differentiate from their parents' belief and reframe what they're doing and how they're approaching things to take them on for the next stage of their life. So, I and, and I think a lot of it depends on the culture. And, you know, is that a Western phenomenon that we have those options to do that is a valid question. But, but uh, it's a, I think if we think back into most of our lives, uh, mid-20s to early 30s is a time of very, very active questioning. You try a career, you try a, you know, a lifestyle, and then you, you re-examine and see if it's still fit. If it's your parents that you continue to to respond like in your family or if you're individuating more. Well, that may indeed be true, okay? But why is that true? Because your parents grew up in a different culture than you did. Your parents had a different society than you did. So, uh, no, what, I, what I'm saying is that when I found my 20s and 30s, right? To early, late 20s to early 30s. So, and I'm going against my own parents taught me. But who am I going with? Am I going on my own? What I determined with my own intellectual reasoning capabilities to be correct or to be right or to be just or to be rational? Right. Or what society at large is going with? Well, that's just the thing. So, so indeed, people may question what their parents said, what their parents ta- taught them, but in the context of society or the society that the group of people that they're, that they're associated with also questioning their parents, uh, their, their, you know, the parents' convictions, the parents' ideals, so the parents' beliefs. is in the army, then he will be surrounded by army people and he will be influenced by them. 
what, what I'm trying to say is, is that it's very rare to find someone that's all alone, that's only making decisions based on what they they know and they can prove and they can rationalize and they can intellectually uh, come to terms with to be true. Well, but, but people go through a process of finding where their comfort zone and their fit and their sense of productivity and self best go. And, 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 and historically, especially with prolonged adolescence and people going to graduate school and financially dependent on parents and that type of thing, it takes a lot. It takes a while for them to get that, try it out, see what's working for them personally, and then redefine that. And yeah, there are all types of variables in society that affect that, but mainly where people are finding their comfort zone and their fit. And people try different things. They might hang out with some atheists over here and some shiurim over there. And, uh, and, and they will be influenced by both. I think most people like to say, say in their comfort but they establish a comfort zone. Let me ask you. Is there anything wrong with staying? I mean, the comfort zone is influenced by the surroundings. Well, the question is, I think the example of the Christians and the Muslims is a very good example because this is an important decision that a lot of people are making. And it's people are making these decisions based almost entirely on the society. Yeah. On social pressure. One of them goes and lives on the other group. Huh? What if one of them. So that's the rare individual who's willing to. Totally, you know, totally but the trend. No, no, I'm That's, saying if a person happens to wind up surrounded by the other group for whatever reason, not, not because he chose to do it, but because uh, something happened that he, he, his job or something required him to be surrounded by these other people, he might very well decide that they're right. Because they're the ones that are the only influence on him at that point. Well, that's the point. Is either way, it's social pressure. Exactly. Either way, it's social pressure. So, so the point of the matter is, okay, so we know the but, effects but, of but social you pressure. Are so is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that, that's not a good thing. It's, it, it, sometimes it is. It depends. But the thing is, if... But, let me ask you, if you know you're in a situation where, even though you may be influenced by... Even though you know that you're surrounded by good things, if it's taking away what you've already felt that you knew is right, even though their intentions may be correct or whatever, you may feel that their intentions are correct, but you you yourself know, uh, have a particular belief system about something, how do you know, uh, I mean, how do you how do you stick to your own firm beliefs? How do you stick to without having well, to be... Uh, well, may, maybe there is room to question. Who said there's no room to question? It's important to question. Yeah. To question your growth. Yeah, you question it, but you question it within the Talmudic reference points instead of instead of from the secular point of view or the Christian point of view. Okay, so I'm, uh, so let's question it. I think we could, I think that I think that it's, it's important. If, if you want to be a good Jew, you want to know why are we right? Can we prove it intellectually? Do we have evidence? How do we know it's true? I think that's a, I think that's a very good exercise for someone. You know, challenge your faith. What's wrong with that's a Jewish idea, right? That's a Jewish idea, and you, we know that the, the whole idea of faith—the word faith—you don't, you, you almost Christian don't find it. It's, you almost don't find it in in, in Jewish philosophy, yeah, in classical Jewish philosophy. It's always about knowledge, right? Because it's not enough to just have faith, because that's what your parents, what your society, what your congregation, what your community told you to be true. If that's if that's so, it's just social pressure. If faith could be a result of social pressure, that maybe not that may not be a good thing. And, that, and that's a very Jewish ideal to question, to question, to always question. How do we know? How do we know we're right? But you know, it's kind of scary, you know, that too, is that like when it comes, like for example, in politics, a lot of times people tend to migrate to the uh, party that their parents are often associated with without realizing why they're doing it. They just do it because, oh, well, just because that's my parents. Mm -hmm. I've always been Democrat. But they don't realize, well, what does it mean to be Democrat? Well, why do you, why do, you do that? Oh, because my father. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you see, my, my, uh, I kind of break in that mold because even though my parents are strong Republicans, I'm not a Democrat, but I, I define myself as being independent because I'd like to, I try to look at, both sides, and mm -hmm. I try to not get this way for me. Both parties have changed since we were kids. What? Both yeah. parties have changed since we were Strict kids. Strict policy, nothing about politics. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah. I think that's a, it's a great example of this point. And I actually had a friend who told me uh, that he was in school in 08, and he said he just felt compelled to vote for Obama because everyone he knew was was voting for Obama. I think this year he may have, he may have not voted for him. But that's, right. um, once again, without making any political uh, statements or, right? Right. But that's an, as an example of someone making a, a, an important decision, a relatively important decision, based on the society, the pressure, uh, uh, you know, the pressure of this, the, per, the persons that he, that he or she is surrounded by. You know, all of this is based on this premise that everybody thinks. <laughs> but, but the society, if it functions on a 7th grade, or somebody else may know better than me, 7th to 10th grade level, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people are herd animals. We, do not, we follow the herd. That's why Obama's president. Hey. Might be, and it might not be. Careful. Could be, I don't know. Something, a lot no. of people who, who are, are very... It's Because it's some... Like my father... <laughs> He he's not like he always tries to analyze everything, understand. Mm-hmm. Whereas he's he tries not to, not to be influenced just by appearance or just by tidbits mm-hmm. of what's being said. He likes tries to figure out okay, well, what what else is going on, or what what are they uh, not talking about? Yeah. Um, oh, I know this is taking us down a slightly different yeah. path. But in Spain, okay. In Spain? Yeah, when we were being wiped out, if we would become okay. um, Christian or whatever. Yeah. Wasn't, weren't we told, wasn't, weren't we told by the rabbis that God would want us to convert and live as a Catholic versus choose death? Because death was... You're talking about the, the Muranos. Yeah. The Muranos. Um, that they... In the 13th that century, they, they, they were going to kill us if we didn't convert. The Inquisition, the Spanish Inquisition, yes. said either either you leave, either you leave, or interesting uh, historical tidbit: when 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 was the final day to get out of Spain? It was on Tisha B'av, fourteen ninety two. Yeah, but and the next day, the very next day, Columbus set sail for for right. the New World. Right. The very next day, which is that means it's like. It's sort of like the, his, the, the, the God's hand in history, where one country gets closed down for you, but another, like another way, another way for the Jews to live as Jews was opened. But, or, the, but the Moranos got started a hundred years before that, when they threatened us yeah, but, to death if we didn't convert. And then, uh, and then one of the motives for saying that you had to convert or die was because the people who remained loyal Jews were influencing the ones who had supposedly converted to continue to keep kosher and. Shabbos and stuff. And they said, we don't want the... Yeah. <laughs> okay. The rabbis were actually... Yeah, I, I, do you have a source that we can source I, that? No. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. My rabbi. Okay. In New York. <laughs> I have to, th- I have to think, think about that. Uh, Is it Wesley or Right to him and ask him his source. So, um, so I, think, I think you're right. I think what I, what I am trying to say is that we have to think. and. Yeah. And even even in, in in Judaism, in our in our in our in our beliefs, they have to be based on on, on intellectual reasoning, uh, or else they're not complete. And we know that, uh, like I said, we don't talk about faith. The faith is a Christian is a Christian word. We talk about belief, we talk about knowledge. Um, so indeed, social pressure is not necessarily um, the right way to build our our foundations, our intellectual foundations. Um, but I want to talk about the the positive, which which what uh, um, uh, Jonathan uh, Jonathan mentioned, which is the idea of actually being impacted by our surroundings. And the example that I gave uh, to Jonathan when we learned last week uh, was the the second law of thermodynamics. Is anyone anyone wants to give a brief um, yeah, explanation food, right? explanation of what the second law of thermodynamics is? Yeah, super. Um, ultimately, energy is decreasing. Entropy is increasing. Right. The idea is when you have conflicting uh, energy, like you have the hot and the cold, uh, and they come, they, they come into conflict, they have exposure to each other, so they're going to reach this point of equilibrium. They're going to reach this point of equilibrium. And the, uh, the idea behind that is that if you're surrounded by good people, that will affect you. And that would affect you in a genuine way, not just in a way of you being pressured 
by society to act in a good in a good way. Not not being pressured by society to act in a good way, rather by being genuinely influenced by your surroundings. And you could genuinely change if you if you're surrounded by people who have who are kind people, you will genuinely become a kinder person the more exposure you have to 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 this to this good positive society. Chibur chevra, chibur connection of chevra of society. If I'm connected to the positive society, indeed there may be some social pressure, but there's also the idea of being positively influenced by my exposure to this good society and changing me in a good way, changing me genuinely in a good way. And uh, last point is the idea of of what Jonathan brought up, is that even if someone is pressured into making good decisions and to acting in a positive way, that can ultimately change who you are. We have the Chinuch, which is this 13th century rabbi, he writes, he talks about this all the time, because he gives, he talks about, he, he, he delineates all 613 commandments, and he says the reason behind them, and in many, many mitzvot, he says that by doing something will cause you to be that thing. It means you may be doing something, you may be acting, going through the motions of kindness, not really having the love of your fellow, really empathizing with your fellow. You don't really have those emotions, which is really the ultimate goal. But by you going through the motions of helping him, of caring for him, of loving him, you'll learn to care, to care and, love, and love and love for that person. And like the word ahava, we know the word ahava, the Hebrew word for ahava is love, love. And it's similar to the word have, to give. If you give to someone, if you act in a loving way to someone, you'll love them. Why do we love our children so much, even if they, they may be obnoxious brats? Because we give to our children. We act in a loving manner to our children. We do things that are loving, that are, that, that are kind to our children. We love them. Well, they're also a part of us, too. Well, that's also true. Um, if we yes. want to become more willing to give to charity, say, then it's better to give $1 a 100 times separate occasions is this the to torch? Is this the torch? One hundred dollars once, because then we get in the habit of opening our hands. Exactly. That's what our sages said. So that's from the Talmud. Very good. And it's quoted from the Talmud that it's better to give. If you're giving hundred dollars to charity. It's better to give a hundred single dollar bills to torch than to give a single hundred dollar. I'm joking. I made that joke. Um, but yeah, that's that's the point. Because it's a hundred actions of me doing charity, doing charitable exercises, and each exercise, each exercise affects uh, uh, affects who uh, who we are, changes us in a genuine way. You know, there's a the psychological concept of confluence, which is the swallowing whole of an idea, and then acting as if it's our own. And true uh, maturity is when you take these things out, look at them, and make a determination yourself, not based on having been fed it and swallowed it whole. And what you're talking about is literally trying it out. You're saying, no, swallow it whole, give, but then uh, the act of doing causes you to rethink it? I'm not sure. No, it just becomes part of your nature. To give it like exercise, right? It becomes, it's like a muscle. You develop a muscle. A muscle of kindness. A muscle of love. A muscle of happiness. The more you do things, ha- you think happy thoughts, you, you become a happier person. You just develop good habits. Habits, that's a good it's word. It's not right. a question of swallowing an idea whole. You've already decided it's a good thing to do, but yourself, no, I don't, you don't want to do it. You're making the assumption you've decided it's a good thing to do. I'm saying, how did you come to determine that it's a good thing to do by just repeating a pattern of behavior? I think it is okay, a good thing okay, to do. Okay, um, I think I, I'm talking about a person who is selfish and doesn't want to give. He knows he ought to. He's already decided that on whatever basis, but he doesn't want to do it. And so it's too hard. It, 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 I don't have enough money, okay? But I'll just give a dollar, and, and I'll give another dollar another time. And after a while, I get in the habit of doing it, and it doesn't so hard anymore. But he didn't swallow the idea because somebody told him to. He already decided that on his own, whatever basis. And, but then he didn't want to do it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. 
So he practices until it gets easier. You're, you're basically saying that he accepts that at the beginning. He decided it. He didn't okay, just but, accept but I'm it. I'm saying, what was the process that we go through to make that decision? I think there may be some That's things. There may be some things that you have to understand before you experience, and some things you have to experience before you understand. Okay. Means, um, means maybe like faith. It means the idea if I just constantly have faith and have more faith and have more, would that bring me to understand it? Maybe not. Maybe there it has to start from the intellectual side. Um, and then and then and then and then bleed through to uh, to the practice. You're saying Jews don't focus on the idea of faith. They don't think, take things on faith. They take faith alone. Faith alone. So faith faith has to, to be the extension of of the intellectual understanding. Means, but maybe by kindness or by generosity uh, or by love, the opposite is, is worse as well. See, I don't I don't disagree with that. I just am having a hard time making it work. How do you get there? What is what you is? I mean, how do you decide that it's a good thing to give? I'm wondering about what what. How do we go through that process? You know, just by doing something because everybody else does it doesn't teach us. We have okay. to somehow take it out, separate ourselves, and redecide. Yes, but after doing that, you might not. You still might not want well, to do it. I agree it. with that. But, but the individuation, we separate ourselves and disagree first. We grow our hair long, we play loud music, you know, and then we end up coming back to somewhere in the center. We redecide, we rethink. And I'm saying, just because we do good deeds, because we're told do mitzvah and take no credit, doesn't mean we understand that. How do we get there? What what is it? You know, that's all I'm. That's what I'm struggling with. Over here. I'm not saying it's wrong. Have you been to Israel? Have you visited? Israel? Not yet. <laughs> when you visit Israel, something happens yeah. to you, regardless of your background, where you feel part of the Jewish religion all of a sudden. And uh, I don't know if that's knowledge or is it uh, in the heart, but it's not shame. Nobody puts you to shame because uh, when you give tzedakah, nobody really knows what you give except the person that's soliciting you. But it comes from your heart, and it's your family. And, uh, I think that you, this would be a great discussion to talk about in Sadaka. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm sorry. Go on. It, it's, it's kind of interesting because I still find like the deals, you know, like with Sadaka, you know, like when you're like, like it's kind of a pure thing, you know, like there was a deal with Hadassah. That you know, if you accumulate all your gifts over the past years, and you can get, if you can, you can take all those, and then you can become like a centennial uh, donor or whatever it is, a centennial, a big founder, a centennial founder. So they're willing to t- let you c- accumulate everything that you've paid, and then fill in the gap to get to like twenty-five thousand dollars. So that you can have this recognition. It's like it, 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 no, it's a recognition that you're that give it that level. So is it a mitzvah? But but if you feel that you're giving, you're giving it. I mean, it's an incentive. It makes you think. It, it's it's society, but it also makes you think. You know, I want to give to Israel. I want to support. But it's a marketing tool. I want it. It's a marketing tool. I know, but it it. it and it is society as well. It's a society to be in that group of people. But it incur- if it encourages you to do something positive, i.e. giving tzedakah, then there's really nothing wrong with it. If, if, if a person influence. wants to get his satisfaction yeah. by having the biggest yacht, okay, or, or, or whatever like that, and he decides instead to get his satisfaction by getting the thing more that she just was talking about. Yeah. Um, he had the choice. He could have got the yacht satisfaction, but he chose to get the, the tzedakah satisfaction. So he did make a choice. He could have gloried in his yacht. The yacht was for himself. Even though he's doing it for himself, he chose the more mitzvahdik Selfishness. But in that model, there is recognition, and there is no recognition of the yacht. Sure there is. Lots Only of people will admire you for having a big yacht. But that's their decision. Your decision isn't to display by, by getting the recognition. Of but you're getting recognition either way. It's just whose recognition is more valuable to you, or what kind of recognition is more valuable to you. But that's the question that we're dealing with. Is where does the recognition come from? Is it to society? Is it to society? 
hijacked. Yeah. I'd like to talk about bad friends because I have one. You had a tremendous influence. I'm not arguing that at all. In fact, you and I agree with a lot. Let's see. Listening. The why is what I'm dealing when I was in, in elementary school and it was like, Molly Ellison. Oh, I uh, assume that's because you're in the class. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just substituting. Anyway, she, uh, she was a manipulative person and I, was, uh, I didn't understand that being say all these things to me that again is taking so, something that's you know, not, a, not it's just sort of a this is what you're supposed to do and make okay. a personal I decision I I living to sit it, it had a profound so effect on my life uh, what is a bad way really this is all the way back in elementary school yes wow she lived one street over you know I'm working for that she was a manipulative person. I was a very innocent and from a very nice family. Both parents were in jail. You know, to school all the time. She was not Jewish. She was Christian. She had nothing to do with it, but she was a manipulative person. I just didn't understand that. You know, I didn't know there could be people like that. I never knew one. But how did, how did that uh, negatively uh, impact you? Well, she, I don't know why I used to go to her with my problems, you know, right. Right. Well, I'm not saying that you're not doing what you're saying. Her advice would make me feel bad. I'm not getting it. Like, for instance, in high school, I got bad sweethearts. Then I went over to her house with some other girls to spend the night. She said, Well, we all voted for you, but I should have gotten it. You know, I should have gotten it. I had a couple of girls. You know, it was supposed to be my night to shine. And they had all these negative comments, you know, about how they should have gotten it, that they were the one that got it for me, but that they should have gotten it. I wasn't really destroyed, you know, my whole feeling about feeling good about being bad, sweetheart. They used to make fun of me because they would do things about it. I live in a small town where there are no Jews. Where is that? Westlaco, Texas. Oh, wow. We had a shawl in McAllen and Brownsville. We used to go to Harlingen all the time, but there was no rabbi there. We switched to McAllen and we got a rabbi. And so it was hard being the only Jewish kid beside my sister, you know, in that small town. Because, you know, the Christians were always saying, I think I'm trying to talk about the process of making the decision. Oh, okay. uh, but they, uh, that you're talking about the importance of you know, they would always say I was going to hell because I didn't believe in Jesus. Before you actually you killed Christ, you have, no, you have nothing, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I'm saying, I think a lot of people have like friends when they're young and have that have just bad, like bad influences. You might sign this, you want that to a point where I have to talk to somebody when I got out of high school. Really? Well, I, I see with my own kids. I see sometimes they're the ones that act with other kids and play nicely sometimes. And sometimes they act with kids and they just misbehave and say not nice things. And, and that, that's the same thing. Where because they have exposed to bad or bad influences, then, uh, then they act like that. Yeah. And they come home and they say things. Well, where do you get that from? I never, you know, I never knew that there were manipulated people. I don't know. 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 I